this great partnership between the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. Patricia Lopez is with us at the Capitol. John Rash is right here in studio. Patricia is with us on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Patricia, I'm going to start with you. How in the hell did this happen? How is Joe Biden an afterthought? He's done. He's hanging on. <laughs> and now he's the presumptive heavyweight champion of the world. What happened? That's, that's politics, baby. It's, yeah. it's a surprise every single time. I think um, what happened here is that uh, you saw a an unusual and rapid consolidation of moderate candidates uh, all lining up behind Joe Biden. And uh, the other thing I think you saw was a, a definite hunger in the electorate for a more moderate, unifying voice, but they wanted someone who was viable. It, it probably could have been any of them, but Biden happened to be the one. He also has longstanding, deep, deep relationships in um, black communities and particularly uh, in the South, and that paid off. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, he did so well in this state is attributable, I think, to the fact that we're no longer a caucus state or a primary, which meant we had many more, yep. more than a half million more right. Minnesotans voted in um, the presidential primary than showed up to caucuses in 2016 when, by coincidence, Bernie Sanders was the absolute winner, thrashed Hillary Clinton. Yeah, this you. time, same state, largely same electorate, many more voters, and he lost. John, elaborate, but then I want to pick up on one of Patricia's points because the thing is right on. I, I said, and I, I posted this on Twitter, you know, what's the number one reason why? I said Jim Clyburn. I said when Jim Clyburn came out Wednesday, the most respected politician in South Carolina, an African-American, it, Joe Biden was going to win, but he wasn't going to dominate. So I think, right. I think Pat raised an interesting point. If, if it wouldn't have been a state that was so favorable to Joe Biden, if it was a state that was really favorable to Pete Buttigieg, or if it was a state favorable to Amy Klobuchar, would we be talking about one of those individuals as opposed to Joe today? Probably not to the degree that Joe Biden truly has a national base, this reservoir of support and deep affection within the African-American community that Patricia referenced as an example. But it was a series of serendipitous events for Vice President Biden and more profoundly for the Democratic Party, who now looks like they have a moderate candidate to coalesce around. And so I think that what happened is, of course, the Jim Clyburn endorsement that you're referencing, but it's also what he said and how he said it with the uh, line that was played throughout social media and throughout all sorts of newscasts in terms of, you know, we know Joe, but most profo- most importantly, Joe knows us. And I think that that really resonated with a whole lot of people. And then he went out one very big in South Carolina. And then the speech that Vice President Biden gave after that primary was the type of address that people expected he would have throughout the campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was the early stumbles that were uncharacteristic in terms of how he normally comes across when he's out there pitching for votes here. And then, as Patricia mentioned, of course, you had the coalescence of of a lot of moderate candidates, including our own Sammy Amy Klobuchar here in this state, it all came together. And I think what it says more than anything is that Democrats want to defeat Donald Trump. And they looked at the campaign, looked at the country, and said, this is the candidate that we think can do it. Yeah, I want to point out that, um, you know, both Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, talented, well-respected politicians, did not have that base or that history with black voters. 
So I, I think the odds were against them being um, that moderate influence. Um, they tried and they did well in their own respects and, you know, will probably do well uh, in years to come. But Biden was the only one who had that relationship with what is now an integral part of the Democratic base. Um, I want to point out that Bernie Sanders was one of the few candidates who was smart enough to connect with the Hispanic community. Yep. And that was kind of his secret weapon uh, in the days leading up to this. However, he failed to nail down Texas. And that was a shock to a lot of people. They assumed um, that those connections he had were going to come through. They didn't. And I think that, you know, helped propel uh, Biden into a pretty firm front-runner spot. If you look forward, um, the states that are coming are not going to be um, as easy for uh, for Sanders. John, I, I think Patricia Lopez makes a really good point there about Texas and the forgotten person who endorsed, because that's Beto O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. And while Beto, you know, was on the was at Vanity Fair and was going to be the next Bobby Kennedy, and then he did nothing, he still is immensely popular in Texas. Right? He almost beat. Ted Cruz just a couple years ago, and I don't think we can undersell when all of a sudden Beto was there putting his armor on Joe Biden, the effect that had in Texas uh, with O'Rourke saying to everybody, this is who I'm with. Particularly with primary voters, because those who turn out for a primary are much more motivated than the general election. Those were the people who really rallied around Beto O'Rourke early and then, of course, he became a national sensation, came within a percentage point or two of defeating Ted Cruz down in Texas in the 2018 election. You're quite right. And it wouldn't surprise me should Vice President Biden become President Biden if Beto O'Rourke has some kind of role within the administration. Well, no, certainly no more than all of the others because they all um, they all contributed. Um, yeah, but don't you think Beto was a bigger factor in Texas than Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg were in Texas? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no question. So let's... I think also, though, that, you know, as I mean, I've, I've watched politics for a very long time and endorsements can be really powerful. Um, John Rash is right about Jim Clyburn, immensely respected in the South, carries huge political weight. It is not the only calculation that voters, even primary voters make. Um, they want their vote to count and they're looking for certain things to happen uh, with a candidate. I think the fact that Sanders' uh, message became, you know, a little more extreme as he was, you know, searching to mobilize his base. Mm-hmm. May have had uh, a different effect and repelled um, Democratic voters who want progress, but maybe not a revolution. So let's talk about that. Let's talk now, John. You first, and then Patricia. The Sanders supporters are already, and then by the way, of course, they're getting invaded by Donald Trump. Are saying. They're out to get you again, Bernie. They're out to get you. And the DNC was playing this. They got to Amy. They got to Buttigieg. They reminded O'Rourke. Maybe even they called Bloomberg today. If you're Joe Biden, John, you first, and then Patricia, how are you going to convince, if you win the nomination, the Bernie voters that, yes, I, Joe Biden, did this on my own, it was organic, and that we want you to be on our team? Because some of the data from 16 does say that the Bernie voters, they didn't support Hillary as much. And potentially that played a part in her coming up short in the, in the three key states. You win it fair and square and you do it as early as possible. And you show to the Sanders supporters that this wasn't the result of superdelegates, which Senator Sanders talked about incessantly in the 2016 campaign and made it look to some degree like a conspiracy of insiders of 
Democrat establishment figures who were coming together to keep the nomination away from him. Instead, you do what Vice President Biden did yesterday. You go out and you win states, including multiple states you didn't expect to win, Minnesota, Maine, Texas, as an example. And that's going to convince the Sanders supporters that even if their candidate was defeated, he wasn't cheated. That's really key right there. I don't think you necessarily have to do it with a vice presidential pick. And in fact, I think that Vice President Biden's instincts will be much more, I got to win this in the industrial Midwest and have a candidate who can talk to people there, or I've got to reach out to some of these key constituencies, particularly the African-American constituency, which he has had such a, a good run mobilizing so far. Do something like that as opposed to reaching out to someone who would support Senator Sanders. And partly the issue is there aren't that many key congressional figures who have come out and endorsed Bernie Sanders at this point, and those that have people more prominent, such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as an example, are either too young to be on a national ticket in terms of how the Constitution works Mm -hmm. or too polarizing for the politics of today. Pat, what do you think about that? Well, I think, um, you know, Bernie Sanders, if he really wants to make his case, is going to have to do the thing that he has failed to do in states so far, and that is bring out new voters. That's what he said was going to be his ticket. He was going to turn out the young. He was going to bring out all these new voters. He has to be able to do that. That hasn't happened yet. That's not Joe Biden's fault. That's on Bernie Sanders. Um, Is Biden going to figure out a way to attract the hardcore of Bernie Sanders support? Probably not. What he's doing now is mobilizing the more traditional um, elements of the Democratic Party, Um, you know, blacks, college-educated whites, suburbanites, rural um, voters, and and that's a pretty formidable base um, on its own. He needs to figure out uh, also how he can reach independents, because there are lots of um, you know, people that might lean Republican in a different election that also want to see um, Trump not be reelected. He has a substantial chance at them. I think Sanders ought to, you know, worry about running his own race and turning out those no voters, voters that he said was going to come out, especially young people. That that didn't happen to the extent that I think his campaign had planned on. Let's pause right there. It's 148. We come back on Plain Politics, the partnership with the Trib and WCCO. We'll talk about Amy Klobuchar, her decision her factor in Minnesota, and what happens to her going forward. Back in moments on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's a 150. Chad Hartman along with John Rash and Patricia Lopez from the Star Tribune. Patricia's with us on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus hotline. John Rash, let's talk Amy Klobuchar. Patricia, you're second on this one. John, it was my feeling that Klobuchar, always realistic, looked around and said, the money's going to be difficult. My path is difficult, but I also believe that she saw some polling, was worried significantly about the potential losing Minnesota and didn't want to have an Elizabeth Warren sort of situation. She was either going to finish first or second. She wasn't going to finish third like Warren did in Massachusetts. But how much of a fact do you think that was, the fear of she's going to have to get out and she's going to lose Minnesota compared to, you know what, I'm just getting out at the right time like Pete. And also then, just kind of three-part here, how important was she to Biden yesterday? Very important to Vice President Biden. She has practiced pragmatism as her politics. She realized she wasn't going to be the nominee. She wants the party to win and thought that Vice President Biden 
was the best route to do that. I think she clearly senses Senator Sanders would lead to not just a loss of the presidency, but down ballot as well, including some of her Senate colleagues. She, of course, isn't on the ballot this year. The campaign pushed back very hard by releasing internal polling numbers that suggested that they were ahead. And indeed, the impact that she seemingly had on Vice President Biden's numbers here, who came out of nowhere with basically one staffer here, very little expenditure, and to my knowledge, no specific visits from a campaign perspective, and to win the state suggests that her coattails were long and that her timing was perfect. So she played it quite well, as she often does things politically, and she probably, you know, wasn't under significant risk to have happened what happened to Elizabeth Warren in her home state of Massachusetts, but probably didn't want to take that risk either and probably feels really good about all those decisions today. Patricia? Um, I know the conventional wisdom is that she probably got out because she saw her polls. But, uh, you know, our reporters uh, were given uh, some of those internal results. I don't think the question of how she was going to do in Minnesota was what drove her decision. It's the question of what happened outside of Minnesota. And, uh, you know, she saw a chance for her to have influence beyond. And and that was a brilliant move. Um, You know, she wound up getting a considerable amount of attention of attention from uh, Biden for this. They cut, um, you know, a prominent ad with her the very next day. Um, she is now seen as having helped deliver Minnesota um, for the former vice president and is being held up as a person of influence. That is a much better outcome than what Elizabeth Warren wound up facing, who did get defeated in her own state and is not seen as having lined up um, behind him. Now, how long she continues her race is an open question. She'll be under tremendous pressure um, to bow out. So let's talk uh, Bloomberg. You first here, Pat. Pat's over at the uh, Capitol with us. Bloomberg sends, uh, spends an extraordinary amount of money. Uh, Half he, a billion. He, yeah, he didn't have any money. Uh, a smart insider told me this last week, that even last week, they didn't have a penny spent in any state starting today on. That if he had a good day, he was going to spend, you know, who knows, hundreds of millions of dollars right away. But they knew all along they had to reevaluate. What happened to Bloomberg? To me, partially what happened to Bloomberg, it's it's twofold. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren is one because she eviscerated Mm -hmm. him in two debates. And also, Pat, the reality that he has no good answer for stop and frisk and he has no good answer for the NDAs. You know, he he might have been able to develop a good answer. I mean, politicians often answer much more difficult questions than that. The telling point is he didn't, and he didn't in the first debate, and he didn't in the second debate. Um, He failed to show that capacity to connect and uplift um, that is usually essential in a presidential candidate to, uh, you know, to get them to connect to some kind of larger vision. The, the The Mike Bloomberg that was seen in the ads, it's not the Mike Bloomberg that showed up at the debate stage. Right. And, and that, you know, that I think proves the difference between paid media ads where you can formulate, you know, and, and um, you know, create your own uh, environment and what they call earned media where you have to go out there into the scrum and you've got to be measured in a, you know, in a way where you're, you have to answer things spontaneously. Your opponents can take shots at you. And he just crumbled. What do you think, John? And also uh, give the answer. But Bloomberg now is endorsing Joe Biden. 
he has a well-polished professional team. How much does that help Joe going forward? Helps him a whole lot if uh, Mike Bloomberg is willing to spend that money. And Pat's quite right. He put together well-crafted ads, but they talked to the people, at the people. And then when he had to talk to people directly, one-on-one, as a retail politician, he just wasn't suited for this. And then, of course, when he got on the debate stage, that alone erased all of the paid media that he had right there because that became the soundbite that was played repeatedly after those debates. And, you know, he certainly will be influential in the campaign, but was wise to end it today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Uh, you. Plain Politics with Patricia Lopez in St. Paul, John Rashier. We love having him on.